I'm Lindsay Curtis, and this is Her Return, a podcast devoted to women making the journey of returning home to their divinely human, feminine essence. Each episode is an opening up of a real-life topic with experiential techniques and tools to support you on your journey home. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I have a returning guest today for the third time on the podcast, my friend Claudia Kaiser. You may remember her from episodes number 26 on pregnancy loss or episode number 33 on fertile regeneration. Well, now Claudia is the author, published author of the book, The Fertile Path. How to Regenerate Yourself from Soil to Soul Before Planting the Seed. Today, we dive into the book with really opening up my favorite points and points that I feel like you might have questions on. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if it inspires you, go ahead and order Claudia's book. There will be a link where to check her out in the show notes. I really do hope you enjoy and that this sparks and nourishes your fertility. Welcome back to the podcast, Claudia. It's so lovely to sit with you today, and I'm so excited to talk about your latest birthing of your book, The Fertile Path. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Lindsay, for inviting me. Always a pleasure. And so... Let's dive in. The Fertile Path, this book of yours, how long did you carry it? Well, it's probably a process that's taken a lifetime, if I'm honest. The, the seeds, I guess, I, they started to to sprout, you know, from the very beginning. But like what I remember is at least five years that I put the first structure on my computer until until I had it printed in my hands. So it's been a process that had its ups and downs. and Sometimes it was completely off, like I didn't look at it for some weeks or so, and then I went back into it full speed. So yeah, it's been really a creation process that evolved alongside my own past. Tell us about it. What is the fertile path all about? (sighs) The fertile path, for me, it's really about a way of living, a way of eating that regenerates ourselves, our children or unborn children, and also this planet. So it's a way of being that's rooted in love and trust and abundance, as opposed to scarcity and fear. And that manifests obviously in all dimensions, be it our relationship with ourselves, with food, with other people, but also in our physical ability to to create babies, to be fertile, but also creativity. So it's really, for me, the foundation of us living, living a prosperous life. Beautiful. So what, um, so I love in the book when you go into subfertility and before we were there i would love just i mean you kind of already did it but what would be your definition of fertility you know i made the comparison a lot with the soil 
And I really love to always create, um, create these parallels. And if you look at a soil that is truly fertile, it's a soil that is healthy, that is full of life. There's, there's so much living in it, living in it, on it, coming out of it. It's really productive. It is moving. It is constantly evolving, growing, decaying, changing. And, and I feel that this is also uh, how I would define like a fertile person, you know, like that it's vibrant, it's colorful, it's rich, it's alive. And, and there's creativity, there's productivity. And that can be, of course, babies, but it can be also ideas and projects and just things that we that we create with our life energy. Mm. So are you, by this definition, then we all can be fertile beings or we would all maybe have an, um, have an interest in becoming fertile beings, <laughs> even if we have children? <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I, for me, fertility is something that is not limited to our physical desire, ability or desire to procreate. And for me, it's really also a sign of health, you know, so who would not want to be really healthy and vital and vibrant? And so I feel it's relevant for all of us, just like the fertility and health of our soil is relevant for all of us and not just when we want to eat, <laughs> but long before that, actually, and also after, um, of course, there's also a natural not natural rhythm to that. And even in, even the soil goes through phases of being less fertile and more fertile, and that's all part of it. And that's actually part of it. Yeah, maybe to, to also mention that, that it's not just the phase when everything's growing, but it's also the phase when everything is resting. And then one actually needs the other. And that, so I'm inviting to really open the perspective on what it means to be fertile and to include everything into it. So our fertility includes states of rest? Definitely. And not producing? Yes. No. Yes. yes. Because if it's, if I say productivity, it, it might be misunderstood as like, like always uh, yeah, producing and more and more, which is actually often counterproductive to fertility because in the end we burn out and then it's all just desert. Uh, that's been what we've been seeing also with, with the agriculture, right? That we're pushing and pushing to produce more and to produce more. We use more and more chemicals and in the end we exhaust the foundation and then it turns into desert at some point. And that's what we've been seeing also or are seeing more and more in the human body. And that's not what I mean when I say a fertile soil is productive. A fertile soil is productive because it's well nourished, not because we apply all kinds of artificial uh, substances from the outside. So yes, it does include the yin and the yang indeed. Oh, I love that and can relate a lot when I'm working with women around preconception and fertility. One of the first things I do in a session is to see how they relate to menstruation and their actual ability to pause because this is very, very key to a woman's physical, emotional, spiritual ability to cultivate fertility. 
So I love that that that's really highlighted in what you've just said there. Yes, definitely. We, if we if we exclude one part of the of the cycle, then it's not gonna be sustainable. Mm. So true. So tell us a little bit more about subfertility. What would me like? I you detail it very wonderfully in the book. So I would love like a snapshot of what subfertility is and how would I know if I'm actually like experiencing a subfertile state? Mm-hmm. Yes, I love to use this word subfertility as opposed to infertility because infertility has this connotation that it's really definite and that there's nothing I can do about it. And it's like black or white. I'm fertile or I'm infertile. And in truth, that's not the way it is. Uh, I mean, think of any disease. It's not like from one moment to the other, you become diabetic process, right? And so the same is with fertility. I can be in optimal fertility or I can already experience diminished fertility. So what I would call subfertility like sub meaning under, under, underperforming. When we say subperforming, under, um, under optimal. So anything that is beyond, beyond, below our potential, let's say, I would call it sub. So it's not expressing and its full potential. And of course, that's not a judgment. It's just to see with curiosity. Okay, what's going on here? And why is that and what is that for and what can i do about it because it implies that i can actually do something about it and that it's not something that just happens to me and that i am labeled for for the rest of my life but that i can actually through my choices influence and bring back to optimal state yes empowerment ladies empowerment this is what it's all about so what are the signs of being like starting towards the path of like subfertility? Now that's a really big question, and um, I try in the book to to give kind of the stages of subfertility, so t- to allow women and men to to find out a bit where they are by categorizing, let's say, the different stages from just slightly subfertile to already more advanced stages. And this is not an exact science, so this is observational especially, Mm, but it's actually related to our health very much. So we can observe our state of energy. We can observe our menstrual cycle, of course, will give us huge uh, information and and in general, uh, health issues. But let's say if I experience a lot of fatigue or if I experience issues with my menstrual cycle, um, that usually start off lightly, like like just with a low volume, like as all symptoms, you know, they start out not shouting at you, they talk to you softly. And then if you don't listen, it's, it's getting, it's getting louder and louder. And that's a bit the same. So if I experience symptoms, um, for example, let's talk about the menstrual cycle, uh, that just involve slight irregularities, slightly long, slightly short cycles, or 
or or pain that that is still bearable okay it's it's already a warning sign so i can take that into account but of course if i don't then over time this might get worse and worse and at some point i might even lose my period or i might start to experience really severe uh symptoms and the same is true with with energy like i might have slight fatigue or just from time to time or i might already go into more pronounced state of fatigue more chronic fatigue so all of this is kind of showing me the state of my battery so if i imagine myself as a battery and and if it's not full if i don't take the time to fill it up let's say recharge it regularly so then i'm in sub optimal state right and that's both true for my for my general health as also for my fertility so i might still be able to conceive that's also not for me being able to conceive is not necessarily a sign that i'm truly fertile because i can already be at diminished reserves and then actually being able to conceive might turn out to be an issue later because if i am as the mother at diminished reserves and i conceive then what might happen is that after pregnancy i am completely depleted and actually find myself with chronic health issues and then of course having a newborn only adds up to that because i have to give from an empty cup i am giving from my reserves and so so for me when i say um optimizing our fertility it's not just with the goal let's say to make conception easy but also to have in mind the long-term health and well-being of the mother of the child and of course um if we take it to to a bigger perspective even of the planet which is which is all the same thing in the end but also because if yeah because also the child might otherwise be born with a weaker constitution i mean we see that if we think of a soil that is that is not completely fertile then it might still produce some plants but maybe these plants are weaker and they get sick more easily and they might not be able to reproduce themselves and so all of that um is for me sign of subfertility <laughs> made it very long maybe in the answer but no that's great and i love on page 26 you have uh well it's 26 of my book i don't know if every printing is going to be the same but there's that that graphic of the batteries and i i when i first read uh the manuscript i took that into making an imagery exercise where i have women really close their eyes and tune in to that silence build space within them and then ask to see their battery and see their battery and then to ask inside what charges my battery and what depletes it so i get that direct inner guidance for that and it's been really 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 revealing for a lot of women so i thank you for that inspiration and I can relate so deeply to the necessity of having a full fertile cup before having a baby. Now my son is two and a half and I can feel like a lot of energy is starting to return to me, but we're still not sleeping well. And sleep has always been very hard for him, which is just such a basic stress, right, for the body. And and for both of us, my partner and I, like we've been navigating that in the ways that we do. But I can only imagine what it would have, could have been like had I been very 
in a subfertile state, say, before even conceiving or or even during pregnancy, I couldn't imagine how I would have experienced it because I feel like in a lot of ways, I've been super blessed in in coming from a full cup state in a lot of times and not. I mean, there's obviously moments and life is a wave. I'm not at all by any means perfect and please don't ever put me on a pedestal. Um, but it's I could just relate to that so deeply and the importance of really charging our batteries before we create for my child and for my grandchildren. Like this is the passing down. I and will, for yourself also. Of sure. course. Of <laughs> course, right? Of yeah. course. Um and yeah, what what you said about the the earth, just like yeah, reading now about how, you know, carrots and broccoli don't have the same uh um mineral and vitamin content and ability to nourish us that they used to depending on the soil that they're grown in that's exactly us in our in our body constitutions yeah uh, what modern agriculture does it's focused more on the plant so it gives a lot of fertilizer to the plant to produce big plant but it's not nourishing the soil so that's then gonna backfire in the long term and that's what we're also doing often with uh, human beings, you know, they are not in an optimal state. We give them medication, we give them supplement, but we're not going to the root. Oh. It goes much further, even further than nutrition. It goes really into the soul nourishment and that's the soil, you know, and oh. all the rest is going to work in the short term maybe, but it's not going to gonna provide yeah this this deep nourishment and um so i often feel also actually if women or men also uh experience issues with conception with fertility that the body let's say doesn't allow them to conceive that this is a blessing you know it's it's a protection because maybe they wouldn't have had the reserves to provide for this really energy intense process and that they would have ended up completely feeling exhausted for many many years or have children that are with a really weak constitution and so instead of like trying to force the body and to like go into victimhood like you know why is that happening to me and and what you know try to see it as a gift and okay how, what is needed where do I need to provide the the foundations to the tools, the nourishment, so that that can then actually happen, but in a way that works for me in my most deepest core? <laughs> Which I also call the fertile mindset, you know, because it's 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 um, not just about the physical creativity, fertility. It's really about how do I look at the world and how do I perceive also what's happening to me, for me, and this change in not perceiving life events or life happening happenings as my enemy, as a punishment, that's also going to completely change everything because it changes stress chemistry, it changes as such also the metabolism and uh, shows again how everything is actually interconnected. Yeah. And wow, stress is such, 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 such a suppressant of fertility. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes, can it all comes down to stress in the end uh, because in short, you can either make stress hormones or sex hormones, but not both at the same time. And so everything that makes us produce stress hormones automatically suppresses fertility, suppresses also digestion, suppresses tissue repair, su suppresses many things in the body that are not meant for immediate survival. So it's not evolutionary uh, a bad thing. It's meant to save your life. It's just that these days we're kind of in chronic stress and stress has so many faces, you know, people sometimes come to me and I'm like, but I'm not stressed, but they just have a very limited definition of stress. Uh, there can be so many stressors to the body, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, even. And unfortunately, yeah, we, we spend most of our, our time these days with, with cortisol, the, just the mind, one of the main stress hormones slightly elevated or even a lot yeah <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's actually physically speaking uh one of the culprits even though of course it goes much deeper than that but mm. yeah. and i can relate in my own journey um of actually being able to like own when i'm stressed and like how i define stress and even with uh, such a small child too it took me a long time before i could admit that like actually sleeping and waking up all the time and not getting good sleep was incredibly stressful. <laughs> but it, it's that funny thing of actually like um, daring to own our experience and actually how it's affecting us and not needing to immediately figure it out or even change it or whatever, but sometimes just like, yeah, owning actually where we are so that we can see it clearly and acknowledge and take it in. And then something will change necessarily because we've taken that consciousness. Absolutely. Mm. All right. I would love to go into, because a lot, I mean, you go through the fertile mindset and um, fertile emotions and fertile um, spiritual connection. And a lot of the book as well does include uh, fertile foods and fertile ways of nourishing. So I would love to focus a little bit on there because I also feel like that's like something you're queen of and have spent so much time in. So let's open up of like what actually qualifies a food as being fertile. Yeah, indeed. Nutrition has been, let's say, the entrance door for me and also for most of my clients, nutrition. Uh, even though then it's an entrance, right? So it, it's, I use it also to go deeper, but indeed food is, food is a really important part of health of fertility and as such indeed deserves this special attention. So fertile food needs to, I mean, if your food should really nourish your fertility, it needs to have been grown also in a way that supports and and regenerate soil fertility it has to be grown on a fertile soil and in a way that that yeah maintains this fertility let's say it that way and most of the food these days as you already mentioned is not really grown on fertile soil anymore yeah. what does that actually mean you know even organic these days it's really it's not necessarily actual, actually regenerative or fertile agriculture. It's all 
industrially exploited. And I'm not saying that industrial is always bad, um, but unfortunately, many times we sacrifice quantity for quality and price and uh, convenience and um, are ourselves completely disconnected from how food is actually grown. And so we also don't really know how to make good choices, but fertile, fertile soil really needs, needs specific methods also, you know, it needs permanent soil coverage. It needs, it needs compost. It needs this, like also these cycles of, um, of nature, like, like, because even in organic, you can, you can have monocultures and you can have, uh, like these lignite soils and huge fields of, of one crop only. And so, um, that's the first thing that really, um, we need to better understand how our food is grown. So then we can actually also then choose these foods that um, have been grown like with more of that energy in it, you know, also the people maybe just really the love they put in it or the intention they put in it. So all of that counts also when it comes to animal foods, obviously what has this animal eaten and how was it raised and how was it treated and also how was it, how was its life ended? So all of this counts. So I cannot, it, it cannot buy food that is processed and dead itself. And then expect that it will nourish my vitality and my fertility. So how food is grown, how is it processed are two very big questions. And of course, then also how I prepared it and how I eat it and all of that, but mainly to start really, how has it been grown and how has it been processed? And I go, of course, into much more detail in, in the book. <laughs> For sure. And you even include like a list of questions that we can actually ask ourselves or ask our food providers to better educate, which I really love and feel Yeah, that because we're not asking the right questions these days. You know, we are so much caring about calories or about uh, organic label or vegan label. Um, like sometimes it completely misses the point, you know, like then people ask you, oh, uh, do you eat meat? Or are you a vegan or do you eat lactose? And I'm like, yes, but that doesn't mean I eat any type of meat or dairy or even tomato or vegetable, you know? So for me, the question is not so much the food category. Is it a plant food or is it an animal food? And that makes it good or bad. It's more about how has it been grown and what kind of processes Am I supporting by buying it and by consuming it? Is it a regenerative way of doing agriculture or is it is it a degenerative way of doing agriculture? And that goes beyond labels of organic or vegan. Most of the, unfortunately, most of the vegan foods that you can buy in the supermarkets are highly degenerative. Like they're so processed and coming from from far away and, and all of that, that and, and often include also really inflammatory ingredients that I'm like, this is not what I would recommend as a fertile food, you know? And of course there are also other examples, which are like, I'm not saying that they are all bad, but it's just like, we have to look beyond these labels and 
and go back to common sense also, you know, and ideally put our hands into the soil as well to better understand. <laughs> yes, I've learned so much from having our garden and um, yeah, to literally have your hands in the soil and have the embodied experience of it makes us look at everything so differently. Um, but with, in what you were saying, I can so relate to like being attached to the label um, and thinking that like that's the most important part of the identity. But um, uh, really choosing to look more at the vibrance and the entire ecosystem to something is going to have a much larger effect. We have um, a butcher, really great farm nearby um, that has uh, pigs and cows and I love this woman so much and her love for her pigs radiates. I think they have these beautiful pictures of their pigs everywhere inside and they're not labeled, but they have really regenerative practices. Are They could be labeled organic, but they're not. Um, but just, yeah, walking in there and then also talking like even the smoked meat and stuff, asking about preservatives and all of these things. and. And to understand why actually everything has it and and to have these conversations has been really enriching uh not only to understand my food and and everything that's coming in and support our choices but also literally which i think is so important to our fertility entering into relationship <laughs> exactly yeah i mean this is i mean the only reason why we actually need food labels is because we no longer have this connection between the producer and the consumer right if, if it's there, you don't need any labels and labels cost money, right? They increase the price. I mean, especially the organic label, it's often just so, so ridiculously expensive that farmers really just cannot afford that, you know? And uh, I think it's more important that you get to know your producer and then you can just, you know, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah, and, and labels, I mean, just choosing by labels, it's not necessarily also what we think that it is. Of course, it's it's helpful if if there's no other way I can buy my food than in an anonymous supermarket. And sometimes I also have to take that choice. And I'm grateful for labels that at least give me some idea of how it's been produced. But in general, I think if we really want things to change, we also need to change the way we consume and to see how we can go back to supporting real people and local communities and indeed nourish ourselves, not just with these foods, but also with these connections. Yes. And like you and I are both in rural areas and the majority of our listeners live in city and urban spaces. And I just acknowledge and recognize like how difficult it is and how much time and effort and uh, can actually be put into researching and um, and and informing ourselves, right? It does take a lot. It does take a fair amount of diligence and also desire. And that's what, um, yeah, I really wish for everyone also in reading your book to, that that desire can be sparked and that curiosity can be grown and brought into action because there are so many farms around all cities in the world. Um, maybe not all of them, of course, because we have the world that we currently have. But there's a lot of farms that um, 
do delivery systems and farmers markets are always such a great place to go and speak to farmers or people that work for farms and get those answers directly. So even in cities, there's really ways to create relationship and to nourish yourself with more fertile foods. It's not just people living in the countryside. <laughs> I mean, I've heard the cities for most of my life. It's just the last few years that I'm in the countryside. So if you want to make it happen, there's always ways to make it happen. And and I think it's indeed something that talks about your priorities, you know, and um, I think it's really natural that if you start to care more about your health and and to also think more in a holistic way that you naturally start to want to know what you actually put into your body. So, yeah. I would love that we talk and touch upon so many things. Uh, <laughs> like, let's really go into sugar because sugar is, I feel like, so, such an outrage. <laughs> and as an American and um, being American, but living in Europe for the last decade of my life, or at least out of the States for over a decade now. Uh, going back to America last summer and spending a month there, like the overwhelming effects of sugar in everything. And just, I think in most people's diets, and we have quite a bit of on sugar in your book and also in supporting women, I feel like to get into the clarity of relating with sugar before just for their own health and before pregnancy, because there's like huge, even more increases of, um, pregnant diabetes coming in now more so than ever before because of this relationship or lack of relationship with sugar and what's going into the body. So with that, speak to us about sugar. <laughs> well, first I want to start maybe that there's no food in the world that's intrinsically your enemy. So even sugar, and I have had to come to terms with that, right? Uh, I mean, we all kind of are conditioned to thinking in terms of good and bad. Right. But even sugar, even sugar is a natural food. Just that, unfortunately, these days we refine it and we consume it in huge quantities, far more than what would be healthy for us. Well, but I wanted to make clear that it's not about demonizing completely any food. Um, so it's all about indeed again, the consciousness of what is it that I am putting into my body and how is that serving my, my health and my, my, my well-being, my balance, right? And um, sugar, unfortunately, has these very addictive qualities that make it very hard once you are <laughs> attached to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's one of the um, one of the foods that really depletes reserves. So they it, it's not just about calories or about the teeth. You know, what my, most people think like, oh, I ate sugar, I'm just gonna go for a run and drop a vitamin pill. Well, no, it's like food is really talking to your cells. You know, and it has to talk to your cells even if then you take a vitamin pill. And usually, the messages it gives. Um, are uh, about, yeah, it's it's creating kind of hormonal imbalances. So by also uh, relating to 
uh, the stress hormone uh, insulin is involved there's a whole there's a whole cascade of let's say happenings in the body that when we consume sugar related also to fat metabolism to estrogen so um but in general sugar tends to deplete nutrient reserves so in order to be digested it actually needs certain vitamins and minerals so instead of supplying them which is why we usually eat we want to have nutrients it takes them away from you so um it steals basically from your body important uh, nutrients which then eventually might lead to demineralization for example of the teeth of the bones uh, but also of course to the blood sugar imbalances that you um, mentioned which many women indeed in pregnancy experience then um, as uh, pregnancy diabetes but that means that it's actually already been there like latently uh, blood sugar blood sugar imbalances are super common and they are they are very much related to hormonal imbalances and as such also to menstrual issues and to fertility so oh. there's a relation also with uh, PCOS, uh, which means uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is also a major component in, in fertility issues. Um, yeah, so, so these are just a few of the, of the, of the negative effects, let's say of an excess consumption of white sugar or sugar in general, because sometimes we think, oh, if I didn't just take another type of sugar, it's okay. But not necessarily either depending on on the quantity right and depending also on your sensitivity to it and your individual metabolism but of course if i'm really uh dependent on sugar it also talks about a specific disconnection from a different kind of nourishment because sugar also of course we often use it as a compensation for the lack of sweetness in our life yeah, in other areas <laughs> yeah yeah and being able to inquire upon that and at some point in the book i know you recommend that if you're feeling a sugar craving can you pause and feel into like what is it that i actually desire or what's underneath that or even eating specifically eating some fat or some protein to nourish us and see how we feel after that is super potent. I don't really have it related to sugar. Uh, I have a sweet tooth, but I love my natural honey, but I love like chocolate, <laughs> like really dark chocolate with just a little bit of sweetness. But I do from time to time, like Chocolate is definitely a sort of addiction. I could have like a very small piece, but I could have a very small piece every single day. And so I constantly like five, time, five six times a year, I'll take chocolate pauses, right? And it's always super interesting to recognize what is it that I was compensating for, whether it be I actually needed some more movement or I actually was hungry and an apple would have been better or I wanted a kiss from my partner or I like needed to go dance like and and it's always super super helpful to take the that time and then rearrange my life around it totally i mean yeah uh, what we do with food it is so much connected to to other areas of our life you know and if yeah i, I always feel indeed we should remain the ones in power so every time i feel that a food is kind of taking over because I need it somehow, then 
I want to consciously take that break indeed and see, and look deeper, right? And and see what is what how is it serving me? You know, that's always my preferred question for everything, also for symptoms, but also for these things because I, everything I do, there's a reason for it. At some level, it might be a bit distorted sometimes, but some it's always serving me somehow. And so to see what what function is it serving and how can I maybe yeah get that in the same thing but in a more like nourishing way. <laughs> right. I love that. How's this serving me? <laughs> nice. Um, okay. The last thing I would really love us to touch upon is one of the things that I loved so much in the book is um, the differentiation or the pathway rather to like planting the seed with intention and then giving it attention and then going to no tension. <laughs> I love this. It's so poetic and, and so relatable. Uh, what do you want to say about that? Mm, first of all, I want to attribute this to one of my uh, teachers on the way. Actually, it's not my invention. Mm -hmm. uh, it was related to how do I, it was more related to mindset and how do I manifest my desires. So also there, of course, I first have to get clear on what is it that I actually want to manifest. So my intention, intention defined as the as the desire of feeling state of vibration behind any goal I might I might have. Um, so because often we confuse these things, right? We might say, oh, I want to lose eight kilo or I want to conceive uh, by June, like really specific goals, which we are taught in the marketing world, right? Uh, need to, say, to set smart goals. So masculine kind of approach, but forgetting sometimes about what's behind it, like the intention, the feeling I actually want to want to feel by achieving this goal. Because if I'm not clear on that, then I might achieve my goal, but I might actually not feel at all <laughs> the way I had intended. So I might lose these eight kilos or conceive, but not actually feel fulfilled by it. So for me, the being clear about the intention is much more important because then I also bring in the power of the heart and the, the attraction, not through just reciting words, but really the energy and the vibration and the frequency and the feeling. And that's, and that's what's actually attracting. And so this is the first part, really getting clear on that intention and then of course, giving it your attention regularly, watering the plant, uh, making sure it gets the nourishment it needs, whether it's light or compost or whatever. And then indeed no tension. So not constantly digging in the soil and looking how the seed is doing, uh, because then I might end up destroying it. So right. indeed that's this process um, that you can apply yeah, to, to the mental realm, so to manifestation, but also indeed to, to any project or to any desire, like even this desire to conceive, you know, um, okay, I'm clear that this is a desire I have, but also why do I have this desire? What's, what do I want to feel? Um, because maybe I can feel that way without having to have, uh, this specific thing come true. You know, often we get so attached to, I need to have, uh, this 
relationship with this person or this house in this area or this job in this when actually you know if we connect to to the feeling state and when then we detach from the rest and it can show up in different ways that we might not have even considered before so there's also a bit this letting go involved like you know okay it's for me it's a dance so i'm i need to be clear and i need to do my part but then also like let it go and and um trust and that's again when we come back to the start of our conversation like the two sides of of the the um, like the curve like the one that is more active and the one that is more passive um and bringing them together and and yeah, it's like learning how to dance. It doesn't always go very smoothly. In the beginning, we might step on, on each other's feet, but, you know, stumble a bit, but then then it gets better and we can actually start enjoying it. Oh, yeah, if we persist. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, and if we put, you know, if we have really planted the seed and we create the optimal conditions, and we take care and then something will grow you know it's like maybe not right away maybe not when you wanted it to but in its own time and space and when it's ready and so you just then need to be attentive to not miss <laughs> uh, the moment uh, when it's actually blooming mm. Mm, what an image <laughs> oh unreal. So yeah. what are you getting ready to conceive next? <laughs> I am in the in the conceptual pro or even already in the gestation process of my first retreat based on the book. Uh, I describe um, a specific process also in the book, which is related to more the emotional realm. Uh, which I organized by the chakras. And so in this retreat, we will put that into practice combined, of course, also with the different teachings of food, also as they relate to the different chakras. So I just use that as my structure, let's say, and uh, every day go into a different energy on all levels. So the, the nutritional part, but also then taking it into the body and exploring what is related, let's say, um, to that chakra. So, for example, if it's grounding or exploring more the senses or the boundaries or the forgiveness or the expression. So, um, it's a it's a very exciting journey. And yeah, that's one thing. Um, and when that, is it? That's gonna be in July. In July. Yes. Yeah the 10th to the 18th in beautiful Spain where I live in a very fertile part of Spain which uh, you might not think exists in Spain which we have now the image it's all desert and most of it is, is. it's very very scary actually but uh, I'm still I'm still in a quite fertile oasis <laughs> let's hope it stays that way getting drier and drier and with climate change yeah we really i mean we really are invited to regenerate we 
we can no longer afford like also on a global scale to continue degenerating and and mother nature is talking like she has the volume up quite a lot and we're still not listening <laughs> or some of us are more than others but on a on a on a collective scale and uh that's the, that's just like the macro version of what's going on for each and every one of us on the inside and i always feel it's so empowering to to look at yourself uh you know, because we can get so overwhelmed when we think of all these problems in the world and climate change and everything and wars and pollution, when in fact, it's just, it's just the manifestation of our inner worlds collectively. And, and if we can manage to regenerate ourselves, our own soil, our own body, and improve the relationship that we have with ourselves. And from there, it will ripple out, you know, and from like, this is the way we heal the world, I believe. And this is why I am so excited to, you know, one by one, <laughs> um, plant these seeds into people because that's giving back the power also and taking responsibility into our own hands. Yes. Thank you so much, Claudia, for being here, for doing your amazing work in the world, for writing and getting this book out, everybody. And tell us how we can connect with you and how slash where can we order your book? Mm -hmm. So my website is called www.caminodelafertilidad.com. It's a Spanish name, but it's actually in English, the website. And basically, Everything is on there. So all the offerings that I have for individual processes, for the book, for the retreat, this is kind of your place to go. Of course, the book, you can also find it on your regional Amazon site. And yeah, Instagram, Telegram, <laughs> some channels that you can also connect with me. Great, I'll include links where this is being posted. Boom, it's been a pleasure to sit with you and we'll see you on the podcast next time. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs>